Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Good morning, Harvest. Uh, it has been for me a kind of long week, and I imagine for some of you it's been as well, and so I'm so grateful this morning to have a chance to come together as a church family and just be together, worship, sing, process the Word of God together as a community. Uh, I know that um, we've been stuck at home, many of us, for a long time, and we're working hard to find a venue that's large enough for all of us to return when we're ready. And so I, I understand that some of you, um, no matter what happens, uh, have very good reasons to remain at home, and others are just not ready to do that yet. We totally understand. Just wanted to say that we would be delighted to see you again soon. So as soon as you feel um, able to come out and join us, uh, we are working hard to secure a venue large enough for us to do that in a safe way. And so I'm looking forward to that day when all this is over and our church family, without any hindrance or barrier, can just be together worshiping side by side in person. This morning, we're going to continue on the, the new series we've begun on the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's my hope that the Lord's Prayer will be for us a template for our own personal prayer life, and that through this series, a prayer that is very familiar to most of us, in fact, one that we probably have memorized at some point in our life, will become more meaningful and rich to us. You know, in my first year at seminary, I, I lived with a couple other guys. We shared a house together. In fact, we actually shared the second floor of a really old house together. And we had this closet that was sloped because it ran underneath a staircase that, that led to the attic. And so in the front of this closet, there was a little uh, rod for us to hang clothing. And then behind that clothing, there was this little space, a little nook where we could kneel and pray. And so it literally became for us our prayer closet. There was enough space there for us to have a small electric lantern, and we didn't have smartphones in those days, so we couldn't actually have light that way, but we also had a boombox, and it was such a good place to get away from the crowdedness of that house and all the other people and just be alone with God for a little while. I had this CD of instrumental worship songs that lasted exactly 55 minutes if I played it start to finish, and so... I would use that as the soundtrack to accompany me. And those songs, when I hear them to this day, I'm immediately transported back to that closet and the intimate darkness there. I I had so many really rich hours of prayer in that closet. And one of the most memorable and important gifts God gave me during those times of prayer was this real deep sense, this awareness that I was His child And he was my father. That's really important to me because I think coming into seminary, I was already being prepared to think about myself as a future pastor or missionary, as a leader in the Christian community. But in those personal, private moments of prayer, one of the things that most washed over me was this realization that God delights in me the way a father delights in a child and that that's who I was to him. You know, 30 years later, I still pray, but I have to admit that my prayer life feels different from those days early in my seminary career. I pray now as a man, 
a father, a husband, a pastor, a leader. I pray in response to needs and crises and challenges that I and our church are facing. I pray often on behalf of other people who are bearing burdens because I care about them and they've asked me to pray for them. I often pray for them because of those things. But what I really miss these days is that unhurried, deep sense of the Father heart of God washing over me and the security, the warmth of knowing that really when I stand before God or kneel before Him, I come as His child and He loves me. I think this is one of the most important dimensions of our relationship with God. You know, in the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father only 15 times, depending on how you count it, 15 times or less. But in the New Testament, God is referred to as our Father no less than 245 times. More than 100 of those occurrences are just in the Gospel of John alone. So this idea that God is our Father is rich. It permeates the New Testament. In fact, one of the things that made the religious leaders in Jesus' day so angry with Him was how frequently, how casually or familiarly He would speak about God as being His Father. That just drove them insane. And what's amazing to me, though, is He was saying that not because it was a theological truth, but He also was saying it because in a very real sense, God was His Father just the same way that I am the father to my children. What's amazing is that he later tells us that we are his, that we are God's children and that God is our father as well. It's not a privilege reserved only for Jesus, but he gives to us the right to be called the children of God and to refer to that same God as our father as well. When you look at John 20 verse 17, there's a scene where after Jesus rose from death. His, the resurrected Jesus uh, encounters Mary Magdalene just outside the tomb. And he says to her, Don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go, find my brothers, and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. That's really powerful. So in the, as we begin the Lord's Prayer here, When Jesus instructs us to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You look at Matthew 6, 9, that's the way the the prayer begins. Last week we looked at the word our, but the way we're supposed to address God, Jesus teaches us to pray to God as our Father. It's a reminder that this is a primary way that we're meant to relate to God. Most Christians probably understand intellectually that God is our Father, but many struggle emotionally, spiritually with the idea that God is their Father. It's easy to know that, but for many Christians it's really hard to feel that. And a big part of the challenge there is that their relationship with their earthly Father gets in the way of their ability to understand God as their Heavenly Father. What might help? And there's no easy way. This is a journey for everyone because our earthly fathers are fallen, limited people. They may have done the best they could, but very often it fell short of what we needed. And so it's a journey to redeem the idea of Father and be able to call God our Heavenly Father with an open heart. What might help is to not 
start with your earthly father as the starting point and say, let me see what it means that God is my father by thinking about what my earthly father did to me. But rather to flip that around and say, my earthly father was meant to be more like my heavenly father. And the father pain that we bear arises because there is a gap or a difference between the way our heavenly father is for us and the way our earthly fathers were towards us. Our Heavenly Father is a Father who loves us unconditionally. He imparts His best qualities to us. He helps us discover our true purpose. He guides us wisely. He's truly worthy of our respect, our trust, our admiration, our loyalty. And the, the truth is, when I have a hard time thinking of God as Father, it's probably because my earthly father wasn't those things as much as I needed him to be. Maybe that's your story. And if it is, let me just offer you the invitation to not begin with your earthly father, but to begin by looking carefully at the heavenly father and realize even if your earthly father was imperfect and incomplete, in Christ we are given the gift of a heavenly father who is all the things our earthly fathers may not have been or could not have been. You know, researchers have clearly established the wide-ranging societal impact of fatherlessness. And I'm not just talking about religious or, or Christian researchers. Secular sociologists have very clearly demonstrated that there is a significant negative impact on human beings when they grow up without a father. Things like an increased up, uh, chance of poverty, risk of substance abuse, of suicide, incarceration, academic failure, unwanted pregnancy, and so many other things. Obviously, it's not a, a simple situation. There are other causal factors involved. But suffice it to say, at least on the human level, fatherlessness has a negative impact on human beings. For years, we've been supporting a ministry called GRIP Outreach for Youth. And they're a ministry in the city of Chicago, and their mission is to fight against the negative impact of fatherlessness. It's a ministry that's been driven for years by the verse Isaiah 1.17, which reads, Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. And plead the case of the widow. As I've been preparing for this sermon, I know that there is a negative consequence for human fatherlessness, but I've been really thinking all week about the spiritual consequences of spiritual fatherlessness. That even if we know that God is our Father, if we live without relating to Him that way, if in our experience we are absent a Heavenly Father, what is the, what is the toll that takes on our faith? our spiritual life. And many of us have a pretty active relationship with Jesus. We're at least much more open to Him. And many of us also have an active and real relationship with the Holy Spirit. But how well do you relate to God as your Father in Heaven? Is that a difficult pain point for you? Is that challenging for you to really think about God as your Heavenly Father? It might be, but I want to challenge you really urge you, put in the effort and cry out to God for help 
so that you learn to relate to Him as Father. Because this is not optional for us, but Jesus has indicated it is one of the most essential elements in a full life-giving relationship with God, is that we come to see Him truly as our Heavenly Father. When we say the Lord's Prayer, we're saying our Father. And for that to be a meaningful prayer, we have to grow in our sense in which God truly is received and interacted with as a Heavenly Father. Now there's a sense in which every human being on earth can call God Father because we are all His offspring. There was an occasion where the Apostle Paul was on a hill just outside of the city of Athens speaking to the leaders of that city. And he noticed that um, one of their statues had an inscription that says, uh, and there's a a popular, um, I'm sorry, not a statue, there's a popular saying that some of the poets said that we are all the offspring of God. And so in Acts 17, 28 to 29, Paul affirms this. He says, For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. Meaning, we discover something true about the essence of God by looking at ourselves as well. We are all the offspring of God because He created all of us and we all bear His image, even if that image is marred in some way. So yes, it's true that every human being is an offspring or child of God at some level. But the truth is that for those of us who follow Jesus, have trusted Him for our salvation, He is our Father in a much deeper sense. That we are not just part of all of the the creatures on the earth whom God has made, but there's a special status for us as sons and daughters of God that when we call Him Father as a Christ follower, there's a depth that the rest of humanity cannot fully understand or or relate to. In Romans 8.15, Paul writes these words, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now, we call Him Abba, Father. What's interesting is that word Abba is not actually a Greek word, even though all the rest of this is written in Greek. It's an Aramaic word, which is the ethnic language that Jesus and the other Jews of that day spoke. It was such an intimate, almost childlike name for God, something like Papa or Daddy. So that he was, even though they were speaking in Greek at the time, that Aramaic word carried over into the way that Jesus addressed God as Father. And many learned to do that as well. When we relate to God and call Him Father, it's not just in some distant way that all the creatures talk to the Creator, but it's in the spirit with which a child talks to their father. It's intimate. It's familiar. I like to think that I have a pretty close relationship with my children. And if you ask them, probably say, yeah, I think we have a pretty good relationship. But I will say this, even though we're intimate and close, my relationship with each of my children is decidedly lopsided. Especially when they were younger, this is very true. We may be very close, there's very little they can't come to me with and and all that, but I am so much more responsible for things than they are. I'm responsible for keeping them alive, for keeping a roof over heads. All that falls on me. They don't share that burden really at all with me. I give more than I ever ask them to give me in that relationship. I know so much more than they know. 
And I have so much more than they have in terms of resources. So even though we're very familiar and they can talk to me in the most familiar terms, we are not equals even though we are close and intimate. And even though I have to wield this authority very carefully and humbly, the fact remains that there is an authority I have over my children that is good for both of us to recognize. It would be irresponsible for me to think that I am the equal of my children and and abdicate that responsibility. So authority is also a part of it, even though it must be handled with such great care. The idea is this. We're close with God, we're intimate with God, but every time we pray to Him, we are not talking to someone who is in any way our equal. And we hold those two things in tension, that this is my Abba Father, but He's also the Creator and Master of the whole universe. And how do we hold those things in tension? It's not really a barrier if you think about it. It might seem like that. That whenever I pray to God, I'm thinking of the great Creator of everything. But that gap between me and Him, that the fact that we're not equals, is actually a comfort and not a barrier at all. Because what, what He's saying is, I invite you to come and talk to me the way a young child talks to their daddy. But even as you approach me with such comfort and peace and security, know this, that when you do come to me in prayer, you're also talking to the only being in the whole universe who has unlimited power, unlimited resources. He has, He knows, He does, He gives infinitely more than He will ever ask you to do. He is so far beyond you and me that when we pray to Him, even in that familiarity, that intimacy, we pray to an infinite God who has every power, every authority, every resource to come and speak to us. He also has an authority that He uses, but unlike many earthly leaders, God always uses that authority to bless us, to grow us, to protect and take care of us. It's such an important thing to keep in mind. We are intimate with God, but we are not equals with God. And that's why prayer is so powerful. Because we reinforce the relationship we have with Him without having any illusions that we're talking to someone who's just like you and me. One of the decisions I've made for the remainder of the series is at some point in the message, I want to have us recite the Lord's Prayer together. And if you're at home watching, I want to invite you to actually say it with you or whoever you're with out loud together. Because it's a, a prayer that's so familiar to us. But I believe that as we unpack each phrase of this prayer, the depth of meaning, your understanding of this prayer will grow with each passing week. And so as we learn to say it again and again, uh, I really hope that the Lord's Prayer will come alive and help really deepen your own personal prayer life. And so at this point of the message, just before I conclude the sermon, I want to invite us just to pause, and I'm going to flash it up on the screen, and I want to ask you to recite the Lord's Prayer with me. It's a modern adaptation And let's pray this prayer together, noting each word. And with each subsequent week, I think you're going to find greater and greater depth whenever we do this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
You know, I regret that I didn't plan this series better so that this message would have fallen three weeks from now on Father's Day. Um, but nonetheless, I want to still pause right now just to acknowledge something. My earthly father is a huge part of why I'm able to think of God as my father in a positive light. My earthly father, I just want to honor him just for a moment. I know that he's listening to the sermon. And I want to thank him because the way he lived and the way he interacted with me helped me see in a positive light that God is my heavenly father. And in light of this, I just want to give each of my, my brother fathers out there a loving but firm challenge. Grab hold of the special privilege God has given you as an earthly father to deeply shape the way your children feel about God as their Heavenly Father. I know many of us have a story of difficulty with our earthly fathers, but what a privilege that God is giving you and me to totally rewrite the story for our children so that when they think of God as their Heavenly Father and they think back to us as their earthly father, those two things work together to bless them and help them grow spiritually. What a privilege if we will lay hold of it and answer God's call to play that role in our children's lives. And for all of us, I want to invite us today, right now, to think deeply about what it really means that God is our Heavenly Father. Don't just gloss over it. I really want to encourage you, when when that recap comes out in, in the email, take time to just read it again. Reflect on this. Put in the work to really chase down, do I really relate to God well as a father? And I'm saying this even though it is difficult because it is so essential to a full relationship with God that we're able to look at Him and say, You are my Abba Father. It will deepen your faith. It will deepen your prayer life when you can make peace with this idea that God is your Father. So as we close this morning, I want to invite you, we're going to have a song that we've prepared. And instead of singing it, I want you to hear this song uh, as though God is saying it to you through His voice to express His his Father heart for you. It's a song that came out decades ago. It's written by Ray Boltz, and it's called, You Will Always Be a Child in My Eyes. I've listened to this song so many times in the decades since I first heard it, and each time it begins to evoke something really powerful in me. I hope you can just quietly as we flash the lyrics up if you want to sing i'm not going to stop you but try to receive these words as being spoken or sung over you from the father heart of god to remind you who you are to him how he feels about you how he looks at you and rather than working hard to fight for something just receive it it is so uplifting and comforting to know that god in heaven thinks this way of you loves you tenderly wants to protect you and care for you, provide for you the way a father, a good father, wants to do that for his children. After that song, we'll have one final closing song that we'll sing together, and then I'll return just to give you the final word of blessing. What an unexpected privilege that we're allowed to call God in heaven our Father too. Now, while Jesus may be the Son of God in a different way than you and I are the children of God, it is one of the great privileges of being a Christ follower that we have a Heavenly Father who is so much better 
than any earthly father ever could be. And He cares for you. He loves you. His heart washes over you with such care and tenderness. And just receive that this morning. Remember that every single time you and I pray to God, we pray to our Father who is in heaven. What a comfort. What a strength to know that that's who He is, and yet He invites us to come so freely and so intimately. As we continue to unpack this series, may God bless you richly with a deeper more life-giving prayer life. And as you pray better and better, more earnestly, more connected with God, may your love for Him grow, and may His love for you become more received, more real to you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be blessed now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.